So we get asked often how we got started with providing financial planning and analysis. Yeah, it's, we, it's a tricky one, right? Because it, it, it wasn't like lights on on day one. Yeah, it was a very different journey than bookkeeping, in part because you or I are not bookkeepers, right? We kind of cut our teeth more in the FP&A world, even though it wasn't, for me, at least it wasn't the FP&A world. It was, it was startups, right? And, uh, but FP&A was just part of what that was. But yeah, the, it's interesting to think back on our journey. Uh, of where we started with this and how we got to where we are today because it was a long journey for us and a very good one. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the FAS Evolution where we're helping bookkeepers, CPAs, accountants, fractional CFOs elevate their practice and get into the world of FP&A and today we have a special guest. I go to some of these conferences or I'll talk on some of these webinars and people will be like, oh, yeah, the, the, these are like the FP&A guys. And th maybe there's a little truth to that. Recently, we had Chris Riley on our podcast. And when I look back of all the conversations I've had with people that actually refer to themselves as doing FP&A um, services, in addition, to, in addition to bookkeeping and accounting, many of them actually have a corporate background. They actually didn't come from, they didn't come from public accounting, or if they did, very special career path where they maybe spent two years in public accounting in audit, just like Chris did, uh, but ultimately jumping into larger corporations where you do see a delineation between FP&A and accounting and controllership and the CFO office. Um, so today we want to touch a little bit on. What is, like, what does that journey look like for the average? The other day I was talking to friends of ours. She owns a firm up in Boston and she's been working with some of our tech partner, right, tech stack partners. And she constantly, every time I jump on the phone with her, she's great. We love her. Um, it's always like, well, how did you do this? And it's like, well, I didn't spend any time in bookkeeping. We didn't spend time in accounting. How did we get into bookkeeping and accounting? Well, we surely didn't actually start it de novo. We tried, but what a complete pain in the ass that was because we're not in, we're not in the sausage making. So we're not walking in those shoes. I'm not going to say it was handed to us because, you know. Oh, no, by no means. By no means. But there was structure there, Steve. I think with FP&A for us, there was structure. So um, curious, your gut on those people that do FP&A work along with bookkeeping, how many of them are firms versus individuals? So I think that's the issue, Steve. To do both as an individual is very, it's almost impossible. I go back 10 years ago and I remember a conversation and a, we actually turned into a, a few hours. We were at the CIC. We were in this special, the special uh, part of the CIC that were not for cool kids, right? It was called C3. 
It was when you really, really like start something or you want to be an entrepreneur, you go to the C3. I'm sorry, but it was true, right? And here I was at the C3. It was a cheap, 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 I was going to say cheap shits, cheap sheets. We were cheap, cheap skates. Um, Anyways, I digress. (laughs) Um, And we were in that Igloo conference room and you hadn't, your background is not in corporate. Mine came from corporate. Your background was in startups. So if I remember back, not to put words in your mouth, but if I remember back, you and I kind of understood what bookkeeping was. Kind of, right? Your book, your mentality of bookkeeping is probably what a lot of our customers are. Like, just pay my bills. Yeah, and it was, uh, I think, you know, we came from, I came from the very much from the startup world, right? Boston, Cambridge. Like, I remember working with my, our bookkeeper to start with, and that was my education about bookkeeping. Like, what, what does the month end close process look like? But when it came to like FPNA, I never called FPNA FPNA, right? It was just no. like, it was just business, like, just, hey, I need this report. I need, what is our customer acquisition cost? Or, or, you know, what's our uh, MRR, our ARR, right? Or you got a fractional CFO. Or, I mean, startup world, like where I cut my teeth, like it was just, it was, you know, drink from the fire hydrant and keep spitting out the deliverables, right? Um, because that conversation that you're referring to, Dan, is when we sat down, like, what does this mean? How does it all tie together? Because we can do the CFO stuff and we can do, we like, we, with the first acquisition, we got the bookkeeping, but how do we, how do we tie that all together, right? That, that was a, and we just were looking at one of the slides that we kind of built out of that whiteboard and like that, that, that there's a big middle arrow, arrow. It's like the vein, right? Um, or the financial heart. information flow. It, yeah. It's a, the flow of information, right? And you got your inputs and you got your outputs and FPNA is a lot more about dealing with the outputs, right? And the inputs, like one of the big inputs, like a foundation is bookkeeping. Um, and you know, I'm, I remember that, uh, that conversation, some other conversations we had in that conference room. Um, but, um, I remember like looking, oh, this is this makes a lot more sense as we, we start identifying, like talk about the inputs or the outputs, and we can transfer that to customers, right? What is this whole thing we're talking about? I want to kind of get back to one, your question around that sole entrepreneur, that sole practitioner. How does he or she actually delineate that service? And then two, I think we need to go back to that igloo conference room where one of your one of your comments when we were you know we were probably two or three months into this was dan i just don't see how this all fits together yeah i think like and that's a big question right how does it all fit together because the only reason stuff fits together is because it flows data flows common suppliers common customers um data has to flow in order for it to truly be under one umbrella. Otherwise, you have what was what was very common back then to have uh, disparate silo type service providers. You've got your freelance bookkeeper, or maybe you were already sophisticated enough, like in your case, in your business, you guys were already using supporting strategies, uh, which by the way is how we got, you know, how we met. Um, and if you needed, uh, say, HR services, or if you needed CFO services, or if you needed to like do some analytics, well, that was probably your, you know, one of your roles as a, an early founder um, was to do a lot of the analysis. Now, many many companies don't have that financial acumen, nor do they have the time, the wherewithal. They're focused on other things. But what was critical here is like I remember again in that conference room, it's like, no, Steve, this information flows. Like, and we can be more effective and efficient 
if that information flows inside of one company. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 10 years later, we're still trying to like make this shit flow. And it's really hard. It's really hard. So before you jump in, I want to kind of go back to your original question. How does that sole practitioner do both? I don't think you can. I think it is very difficult. It is very difficult to be both the bookkeeper or slash accounting, right? Mm-hmm. Fixed price, defined defined package, defined inputs and outputs. And at the same time, avoiding the dreaded billable hour to do, you know, out of scope, quote unquote, advisors, which is what a lot of sole practitioners do, and in turn, actually upsell a customer into a productized FP&A solution. I think though, you know, the word you just hit on was productized, right? I mean, we spent, if, if we've like boiled this down, we're still spending time productizing what that looks like. But I'd say from year one to year four or five, like there was a lot of like, how do we productize this, right? Um, and I think that the sole provider, and if you look back at our journey, like we couldn't provide both FPNA and bookkeeping, a because you know neither you nor I are bookkeepers. Nope, right? couldn't do that. And we had our failures on the bookkeeping side when we tried to do contractors, right? Because the other way to do this is just be be the fractional CFO, the FPNA guy, and hire some people to do the bookkeeping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of an easy way to like not scale up or you know do much, but you can get kind of have all of it under one roof, right? But there's a lot of like failure modes there as well. Um, I guess what, where I'm, what I'm getting is like that whole productization from that conversation in the conference room where I started to like visualize, you know, what are the inputs, what are the outputs to all the way through like, okay, now we got it down into like, here's the annual strategic cycle that we want to like sell to customers, right? Like, and we're going to take a piece of that every, you know, to then it can't be that because that needs a CFO to drive the process, Correct. right? Um, and is limited by your CFOs. At the time, it was you and I, right? And we could do that because, you know, one of us could focus on that, one of us could focus on the business. Um, but taking it from that annual strategic cycle to like, what is that every month? What needs to happen, right? And what is the product of every month? Because that's where bookkeeping lives, right? And that's why you build deep relationships with, with bookkeeping customers. You you touch them every month, right? I can't, uh, you know, conversations I have with our customers like, oh, I love that controller. I love Robin. I love, you know, right. and people do really appreciate uh, individuals being able to walk them through a month in month out basis, like just give them peace of mind, right? And as we tried to do that in FBA, it, it took a long time to be able to say, here's what we're going to do every month to give customers that peace of mind. And so that that goes back to that question. Can one person do both? I think it's really difficult because to upsell a what I don't I don't want to say FPNA is a premium service. It really isn't. It's just a different, it's just a different service. It's not premium, it's not at a discount. Um, it's it's FPNA and how we want to provide FPNA services is no different than bookkeeping and controller level reviews. It's just a different product. It's not a premium product. And I think the market really needs to stop saying it's a premium product. Uh, Because once you say it's a premium product, then how the hell am I going to pay for a premium product from the same person who's doing my books? Yeah, it's a good. It's, it's a, a rhetorical question. question. Right? Like, how am I going to pay two different hourly bills, right, for two different for two different services? But it's the same person. Mm. 
Oh yeah, that's a that's a whole another conversation about move move to fixed price billing because then you can sell value, not time, right? Because your point is, if it's one person and one invoice you're getting is for I don't know fifty five bucks an hour for bookkeeping services, and the other bill you're getting is for one hundred fifty two hundred fifty dollars for the same person to do an hour of work, but that hour of work is FPA work, CFO work. Um, the person on the other end of that invoice is going to be really questioning, like, what, what am I getting? doing here? Yeah. Right? So one of the things that uh, I usually throw back at Steve a lot, and maybe it's a little bit of my personality, is, damn it, Steve, why the hell did it take us so long to get here? And I think part of the part of that, a big chunk of that journey was I knew where I knew what FPNA was because I've lived it. Like I dealt with it. And I also knew what accounting was. What I didn't appreciate was like small business bookkeeping. I really didn't understand that. I also didn't understand what meant what it meant to be a CFO for a fractional CFO for a startup because I've never worked in a startup. I don't even know what the hell a freaking like cap table was, never mind a 409A, right? And so part of that journey was just like, what is it? And and I think people need to this industry in general need to take a step back and do process mapping or value stream mapping. What is accounting? What is bookkeeping? What are the bookends? Mm -hmm. What is controller? You know, one of the things that have actually come out of like this acquisition with Fogged In Bookkeeping has been, hey, you can actually still charge pretty good money for cash basis accounting. I got, that has gotten me actually kind of excited in the last month. And a lot of our peers... I know, I know that a lot of our peers are saying, yeah, uh, accrual stops at the door. We're only cash. Because you do get sucked into this hellhole of work papers to, to keep books on an accrual basis. But yet the customer doesn't really appreciate it, right? Mm -hmm. Some do, right? Especially if you've got board of directors and investors that require this. But let's face it. Most customers, they just want their books like in order. Funny story. Like the other day, good guy. A customer that you had started talking to over the summer, he ultimately decided not to come with us because he thought initially, uh, I think we had quoted him $3,000 to get his book set up and I don't know, maybe $800 to do monthly accounting, but he had nothing back then, right? He, but he had ambitious goals of creating this experience for pets and multi-locations, et cetera. Anyways, after dropping lots of money, his books are pristine. I got to tell you... What, with what he would have paid us, he would not have gotten that. But I also didn't think he needed that. Right, right. Okay? Because that, that was a premium. I like that like word, like premium. I think we'll come back to that. But he got a premium product. No, but it was a complete waste of money. But it was a complete waste of money. Yes. It, it, it's uh, Just you, start you, it off. You're just trying to go from point A to point B. It doesn't matter if you're in a Ford or a Tesla or a Lamborghini. Just get to right? B. Just get to B. And then when you get to B, then you can decide to trade the car out for the next level, right? So now he's... That's, that's our that's our MO, right? But now he's at B and he's realizing he shouldn't be at B. He should be somewhere in between A and B. And it's hard for him to transition out of that mm -hmm. because now his books are truly beautiful. They're on a cruel basis. Uh, everything is so tight. But unfortunately, now the monthly accounting for that level of service is going to be $2,000. Like it's literally more than double than almost triple what we had originally caught. But I digress there, but I really didn't. Understanding the needs, understanding the value streams, um, understanding the inputs and outputs, 
and understanding that it doesn't just stop with the closing of the books. That financial information is either going to go in one or two places. Either it's just going to get stuck in the QuickBooks and nobody's ever going to give two shits about it ever again until the CPA files the taxes. But by then, they're not really looking at February. They're looking at the whole 12 months. Or that data is going to be used for decision making. Yeah. And now we can begin to process map. Now, it sounds like I'm over trivializing this, but I'm not because this was eight years of figuring this out. Maybe it wasn't eight. Maybe it was more like five. But the first five years, it was Dan and Steve uh, charging 150, 250 bucks an hour to provide advisory services, premium services. That's great, but that's not scalable as we know. And there's all these arguments about it. What we wanted to do was, hey, why is it? We know what the data, we know what the inputs and outputs are. Like we know what the needs are at the end of the day. Why is it we can't do to FPNA what this industry has done over the last 15 years with cloud accounting monthly services? Once you're able to put the bookmarks on both, it's not a friggin' premium service anymore. It's simply just another service. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good thing to get into. It is not for everybody, right? Because not everybody has the resources to spend on FP. Nor do they need it. Nor to, do they need right. it. Right. So in, in that sense, it is uh for a for fewer than bookkeeping. So some people just look at that as like, okay, it must be premium, right? But premium does mean it's like, you know, there's there's you know, there's generic, there's you know, regular, and there's premium, right? And you can get premium FP. You, you can. can get premium CFO, but our journey was to go through through that premium version right and 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 boil it down to like what is the least common denominator baseline that, that we can create so that we can offer it uh and and from a business standpoint not have dan mm -hmm. or steve or one of our other cfos be being the one delivering that but having the uh, analysts be the one that delivers that because it's boiled down into what is the product and that that's hard with fpna because so often the product is the person because the person is like taking all these inputs and outputs and, and then interpreting them for the, yeah. to, for the customer. Right. But it's being able to standardize what are those outputs and what is the, the cadence and, uh, and that you go through those outputs. Right. Here's what we're going to look at in the first meeting every month with the customer. We're actually gonna just going to kind of redo the, the accounting close to some extent. Right. Go through the actual the budgets. You know, but now you're getting where, into where the at? process. Right. Before we get there, let's stay. Let's still stay focused on the productization, right? The product development. Mm -hmm. I, and I want to make that comparison again to accounting. There is simple cash accounting. There is simple cash accounting with paying bills. There is simple cash accounting with uh, multiple touch points throughout the month. Uh, there is simple accrual accounting. There's a little bit of half and half, right? There are many companies like ours. We're on accrual, quote unquote, but our payroll is not on accrual. If our payroll is on accrual, I'd be paying an extra four or five hundred dollars a month to manage that accrual. Why? I'm not paying for the actual doing of the work. I'm paying for the troubleshooting, all the shit that happens when the, the accrual breaks on you. And we all know, even on a cash basis for payroll, it always breaks. So bookkeeping is not just bookkeeping. There are different levels, and there's premium and there's base. FPA service, and I'm gonna like I want to drill into this, FP&A service is not a premium service. It's just a, an additional service that is distinct from accounting, but highly connected. They're very interdependent. 
Maybe FPNA is more dependent on accounting in some cases, uh, but in many cases, FPNA also provides data points for accounting. So now you have the FPNA. Now you can begin to like package it up and say, here are the outputs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one one kind of easy way for uh, startup founders to think about this is right. You've got your bookkeeping, it's all your inputs, and you got your board of directors meeting once a once a quarter. And um, seven times out of ten, those founders don't like the board meetings. <laughs> no, <laughs> because they're 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 probably um, salespeople or they're they're technical right founders, and they are not the type of people that want to deal with process and deliver uh, information right. But that board report out. What is what does it require right? It requires communicating your growth, communicating your plan, and making sure you have the data to back it up, right? And I'll, I, I'll, I can go back to like a lot of the customers that we had in the early days, it was the reason they bought the service was because they didn't like that meeting. And they wanted some peace of mind with that, right? And if we back that out, like here's my board of directors meeting, what are the, what are the outputs from the system that I need as inputs to the board of directors meeting that I can, that I can have you, Growth Lab, develop and, and, and run for me to give me that peace of mind. So there is a, that is, in my mind, a basic FP&A service. You have the accounting, then you have the FP&A that takes certain inputs. Um, depending on how far into the future you're planning, uh, you can have a very simple FP&A product that maybe you charge $500, maybe $1,000, depending on your customer base. But it could be focusing on the annual operating plan. What are the inputs? Maybe it's a simpler chart of accounts, so you don't have a whole lot of like noise in there. And then, um, and then figuring out what are the outputs. And then the last piece is what is the tool you're going to use? Is it LiveFlow? <clears throat> is it Fathom? Is it Giraffe? Is it Basis? Um, obviously, I wouldn't be using the latter two for a small $500 a month customer. I'd be using a more cost-effective solution. But then again, for that level, that is still FP&A. And you don't have to bill by the hour. You can put bookmarks because at the end of the day, the scope of the service you're providing is I'm going to build an annual operating plan every year. I'm going to keep it rather simple. Maybe I just slap on a Kager or maybe I just figure out how many customers I'm going to require and what my average um, sales price and duration of that service is going to be by customer. And boom, 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 you've got your total revenue and so on and so forth. That's not that hard, right? That's not a heavy lift. Um, you don't have to be you don't have to be a finance MBA to 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 do something as simple as that. But what you do have to be is you have to be able to put a, a price on that. Because what actually comes out of the FPNA, and this is what this this next point is where I think people people don't go. The FPNA entry level service, unlike the bookkeeping entry level, the FPNA entry level service actually allows you to sell premium CFO services, premium advisory services. Because what comes out of this gets those gears cranking in your customers' heads and they're like, oh, crap. You mean if I continue this growth, I may need more heads. I may have to increase my hiring. Oh, I I may need help with people operations. Oh, I may need help with financing. Okay? See how that just happened? It's not going to happen out of just bookkeeping and and controllership. Mm -hmm. Where's the premium service in this? 
It's the stuff that comes on top. And, and, and why do I go there, guys? It's because in our business, what we realized was the value we were providing customers in the early years was a very linear value. One hour in, one dollar out, or whatever the price was. It never really allowed us to create leverage in our business. In other words, it was very difficult to go out and hire, whether it's an analyst, whether it's a spreadsheet jockey, whether it's just an accountant that wants to like do more modeling. It became very hard because it was tied back to that one individual. But providing that one service, well, guess what? For five hundred bucks or a thousand dollars, and by the way, I'm, we don't price at we don't price at that level. Okay, but for many of you who are pricing out bookkeeping services at say four or five hundred dollars a month, five hundred dollars for this additional level of service is not going to break the bank, and it actually could provide additional value, and moreover, it could give you the opportunity to either bill by the hour for a true advisory, right? Advisory, which is customer asks a question and you need to go do research or you need to go tap into your network or et cetera, et cetera. And then maybe in two or three months, you can actually create a fixed price package around that more that premium service, CFO services. Yeah, well, I know I just said a lot. One of the things I think, um, I don't know if I would go for as far as a recommendation, but part of, part of our journey um, in this, because you mentioned like what, what system are you using to, to, to deliver this, right? Mm -hmm. Excel, Google Sheets, uh, Live Flow, Giraffe, Basis. Um, one of the things that, that we did, I mean, there's a lot of things we did, but uh, two things, I guess. One is finding a team to deliver, right? Because we, I remember like some, we had a guy as a consultant, tried to bring him on full time, like wasn't a good fit. Like expectations were, were, were like this, right? Uh, didn't, didn't work, you know, but eventually we found two people that we, that we thought we could bring in. And I think we, you know, we, we built a lot of the product on what they could do. It was trial and error, right? What can you do? What can we do? And, and offloading what, what our time and energy uh, to them um, and starting to like really realize like, what, what can they do, right? They're younger. They don't have the business acumen, but they can develop the business acumen um, over time. Um, but really trying to figure out like, what is that? What does that product look like? Um, I think that was one kind of maybe turning point or, or way of like the, getting getting here in the journey. That does take time, right? Uh, you got to find people, you got to hire them, you got to like work with them. Um, the other was like actually kind of trying to standardize. Because I think we had a turning point when we standardized on a system, right? Mm -hmm. Because then we could say, here's the system. Here's what we do in that system. And here is exactly what you analyst is going to run. Here's your agenda for your, your first meeting with the customer. Here's your agenda for the second meeting with the customer. And here's your inputs and here's your outputs. And now we find ourselves like we're diversifying across systems now, but now the team knows what does that first meeting look like? What does that second meeting look like? And it they are able to take the different outputs from the systems and still give the customer the same experience. So bringing this back to the old days, my old days, we spent the first four or five years, and I'm not saying for anybody to do this, please accelerate that as fast as possible. If you're going to, like it's a little bit faster trial and error than we did. I don't think we had a choice. We had to put food on our tables uh, while we figured out the cloud accounting uh, space. But focus on that design design phase. Now, where are you going to get the inputs from the design phase? It's going to be your the voice of your customers, right? Ask your customers if there was an additional service that we could provide 
to essentially give you FP&A, right? Advisory. What would that look like? Okay. So now you start collecting that voice of the customer based on your market segment. Secondly, and we knew what ours was, right? We were very much focused on venture-backed startups at the time. Next, design, design that service. At the end of the day, what am I getting? Forget about cadence. Forget about like, what is it that I'm getting? I'm getting an annual operating plan, and I'm going to get X reports coming out of that. Great. Now that you've figured out what does the design look like, you move on to the functional requirements phase. That's where Steve's going with, okay, what does this company or you as a sole practitioner, what do you have to do either individually or grow the team, new technology? You mentioned like a turning point was that carbon, right? That carbon like piece of work. Uh, that turning point was when we first started working with Giraffe and having standardization. Those are functional requirements. And my functional requirements in my business is going to look very different than your business, which is fine because maybe some of the functional requirements may just be really nuances, right? You're not going to really hire anybody. You're just going to do it yourself, but maybe you're going to use live flow. And maybe you're going to just focus on QuickBooks uh, mm -hmm. online customers, or maybe it's just construction companies, right? So now that you have that, now we move on to, okay, how do I build this, right? How do I actually, how does that recurring service happen? Mm -hmm. And then how do I sell it? Yeah. And I would say one of the things that I've, I've piece of advice is when you're selling a new service, sell it to a new customer. Oh, hell yeah. Because... One of the worst things you can do is build a new service. And let's say you have a good, good high value customer and you try the new service out on them. And let's face it, you're going to make a few mistakes and you make some mistakes and the whole relationship goes to crap. That's a really bad outcome. And right? a bad Google review. That's a really, Google really review. bad outcome. Try it on a new customer. Bring in a new customer. Either sell them this service individually or do bookkeeping and add this on top. And if you lose them, you're not like, yeah, still it's going to be crappy. but you're not going to be worried about losing that customer that you've had for three, four or five years and all the social capital you've had with that. Right. So sell new products yeah. to new customers. And it's very difficult to change human behavior on legacy customers. And you and I yes. went through that in the first half. We had very large customers that were paying us $10,000, $18,000 a month that refused to go on to certain tech stack partners that we we like wanted them to go to the point where we actually had lost two very big customers. I think both of them were paying us between five and eight thousand dollars each. I attribute the, that customer churn to us really trying to change human behavior to get <laughs> them onto another uh, platform away from Excel spreadsheets. And them. yeah, point being is I agree with Steve when you're going to experiment. Either experiment on your best customer that you have the best relationship with and you're giving this shit away for free. With a caveat, three months, six months. That's a great way to go. Otherwise, find a customer that you don't really have a good relationship with or a new prospect and you don't really care if you lose them. I hate to say that, but at least there's less fallout. And you get to test the waters. I agree with you. But secondly, what I would also say is do not be afraid 
Do not be afraid to be agile. Do not be afraid to just put an MVP out there. Do not be afraid to test the waters on pricing. Do not be afraid to fail because we failed plenty in getting to this point. And I think we're at a point where we're now thinking about expanding the FP&A service to higher level, higher value customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is its own, cha- its own challenges because those higher value customers do actually require a little bit of that CFO services to sit on top because one of the things we don't have here is we, and Steve alluded to this, is in a corporation that has bookkeeping, accounting, FP&A, et cetera. Well, what do they usually have at the top? A CFO. We have historically not provided uh, CFO services across the board because our time is limited. And when you're at the CFO services level, there's a whole lot more risk associated with losing certain revenue and quality measurements, right? Got to be on top of that. Yeah, I think uh, as I'm thinking about that, like the, the RMO has been the CEO founder is, is also kind of like the CFO, right? Like in the end, they, they're the ones that are like craps rolling uphill to them. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and certain customers didn't have that comfort level. And we, in early days, we could jump in as a CFO. Um, but as we roll this FP&A service out more and more, um, I think the founders have been that, you know, kind of sit in that seat. But I've seen this, the waters shift a little and those those founders are now asking for more CFO services. Give me give me recommendations rather than saying my board is asking me to do X, Y and Z. Can you do that for me? That's easy to do, right? You're, you're getting instructions from somebody else. But when you're walking in with a proactive like, OK, you are this kind of company. Here's here's your here's your dashboard. Right. That's yeah. a, 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 that is a premium level of service. One of the things I'm uh... And I'm going to digress here a little bit. Um, it's it's been about nine years. I always had a passion and appreciation for FP&A. What gets me really excited in 2023 is the level of attention in our industry around FP&A. Like when I used to say FP&A, people looked at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" When I used to refer to us as a FAS company, a financial service company, people would like chuckle and be like, okay, that's just another way of calling yourselves an accounting firm. We're not just an accounting firm. Uh, Our passion and our DNA and our start was in FP&A. Back then, we would call it CFO services because it was very much hourly. But I truly believe that as the years go on, you're going to see greater and greater opportunity to penetrate your customer base with additional services. And nine out of 10 times, it's going to be in the FP&A side. You go on to LinkedIn, you go on to any social media uh, platform. Uh, FP&A is the thing to talk about. And today, even one of our team members who actually now runs our FP&A division, Steve Newland, he was... Nominated, nominated, awarded, awarded um, you know, put at the top of a list, like top 20 FP&A influencers on LinkedIn. And and that's great, right? It's like, that's to me, that's, that's all this hard work of eight years 
and there's still a lot more hard work that we need to figure out. Uh, but I don't think the, the 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 work that needs to be done today is more about fine tuning, which is no different than what we're always doing with accounting. It's not like it's not like we've turned our backs on the bookkeeping and accounting and say, ah, it just works. Uh, it's you know, it it just works. It doesn't like it works. But yeah. then there are opportunities for continuous improvement, and we're still doing that with FPNA. I'm pumped for that. It's a, so nice to see it just getting attention, right? And stop being called CAS or uh, whatever else. It truly is financial planning analysis, analysis, and it is part of the accounting finance value stream at major corporations, just like internal controls, just like audit, just like tax. Yeah, I think um, as the cloud accounting world continues to evolve, I think it's natural to evolve into FPNA services, um, which is different than the accounting world and CAS evolving into the next level of, of service. And I think that's where things are things are coming together now, right? CAS, like I use that as like more traditional firms that are mm -hmm. providing client accounting services, or uh, there's a few different ac names for yeah. CAS, right? But um, traditional firms that are doing tax and bookkeeping now moving into more of this cloud accounting world. Um, but it's being being agile enough to provide that service with the right team, right? And I think if, if there was one thing I would say is find that team member could be a, a existing like entrepreneurial bookkeeper. But think about when could you could be an intern, a, a junior in college. Think about when you found that one person that could do bookkeeping for you. And you're like, oh, oh my oh. word, I I can have you do the coding. I can have you do the reconciliation. Oh, I can have you do the customer call. Like, wow, that means I can do, you know, you fill in the blank. Like find that person that can help you like build the product, then find that person that you can offload that to. That's going to be a turning point. Yeah, and this is opening up doors for other product service expansions in our industry. Um, a place that Steve and I have toyed around with is people operations. Um, even marketing as a service, like we will go into professional service and we don't promote this. And maybe there's a, a page on our website. Our learnings, our unintentional marketing journey that started half a dozen years ago. It is when we talk to people about that, they're like, whoa, you can do that for me. And we're like, well, not really. But yeah, if you need help, we can help you, especially since you're already a customer. There's a lot of opportunities to continue to get deeper into to get deeper relationships, get deeper into multiple value streams at uh, these growing uh, enterprises. There's always a need. Now, are you going to be able to jump in and sell FPNA services at $2,500 a month for a two roof coffee shop? No, you're probably not. But could you actually, an ambitious owner of a two roof uh, coffee shop looking to expand to six, 10 in the next 18 months, you can totally offer that company FPNA services. It's straightforward. It's an annual operating plan. It is staffing. It is capital requirements. It is a square foot expansion, right? There's a lot you can offer. And when you do the bookkeeping, you really know like the business, like you totally know the business. Oh yeah, not all. You like, have so much access go back to, to the data. Beginning of that, the two two roof like like coffee shop. 
right? What do you need? You need you need revenue by location, cost by location, right? So as a bookkeeper, that you're like, oh, I know that all day long, but you you can't do that downstream work unless you have that information. The last part of our conversation and our experiment is around the communicating of the value proposition to customers. Forget about the pricing. Because pricing tends to be like the last part to the conversation. And pricing, you have a lot of elasticity in, especially if you're starting off. But let's talk about the value proposition. How do you actually market, sell, talk about, never mind to new prospects, how do you pick up the phone and call your top 10 customers and say, hey, I was reviewing your books, I understand that you're growing, I understand that you are looking to hire more team members. What do you think if we put an actual annual operating plan together? Nine out of 10 times, I think you're going to get the word yes. You're going to get the word yes, but then you're also going to get, if it's, not, if it's not that day, it's going to be two months later, which is, okay, you put my annual operating plan together. What are you doing for me this month? Right. And that was part of our journey. Right. When we did the annual the annual strategic business cycle. Right. It was like, here's Q1. Here's what we're going to do. Here's Q2. Here's Q3. Here's Q4. Right. And sometimes the customer's like, well, I don't care about the Q4 stuff. Right. Yeah, I don't need that. Right. And so then, OK, well, there's a big gap in like the value exchange. Right. I'm paying you monthly, but I don't want any of those things. Right. Uh, and for us, it was like, yes, we will build the annual operating plan. We will deliver that. We will update it halfway through the year, we will help you with their long range planning, right? But those are all like major like rocks, right? So you got to figure out what those those monthly things are that you're delivering, uh, and how you're delivering it, because that is where the where they see the value, especially when your invoice is monthly. And your service is monthly. And more importantly, typical human behavior, I don't really care what you did for me yesterday. It's what you're doing for me today. And tomorrow. That is a tough nut to crack. Yeah. And so figuring out like, just like bookkeeping, what does that monthly service delivery look like so that you can have that conversation with the customer, even if they add stuff on top of the, whether you do that in scope or out of scope within the fee, an additional fee, at least you're having that conversation with the customer and able to deliver what you told them you're going to deliver every month, month in, month out. You know, life was a little bit different in the world of like advisory, CAS, FPNA, in 2020. Customers didn't have a choice but to ask for those services. And for better or for worse, many of you probably did not charge what you should have charged for that value, that exchange of value, because we, it was tough times. But what that did was a huge opening in this, in this market Customers are willing to engage in those conversations because of the things that happened in 2020, 2021, the PPP, the CARES Act, the ERTC. They saw the value in planning for cash flow. One of the things we love is if you're interested, um, always happy to share. We're a carbon shop, as many of you know. Uh, always happy to share our pieces of work. Um, happy to uh, walk anybody through it. We're big believers in killing the billable hour. We love fixed monthly fees. We also like selling the, the team and not the individual. And customers are beginning to understand um, 
that, hey, Dan is going to be here for the next two months, but then he's backing off, right? So I don't get involved, and neither do you, in, in most of our new customers. But when you do have a big new customer that does, you know, it's a little hairy and it requires a little bit extra love and systems are broken, things aren't all like great, we do jump in, right? And, and by the way, it is part of the, I mean, it is part of the fun in doing what we're doing is having that customer interaction. Until next time, this was fun. Appreciate it. I think we're going to be talking more about the business as we go on into 2023. And uh, we've got some really great special guests that are coming on in the next three months and um, very uh, strong women entrepreneurs. Uh, so we're excited for that. Anyhow, until next time.